TikTok guys are definitely more of a a fling than a relationship, I'd say. I have to become really good at filtering out the good influencers from like the bad influencers, if that makes sense. <laughs> like I can tell by the way someone talks to me what they're interested in. So like if I have an an influencer guy, it's like, oh like let's say when are you getting to the hotel? Like let's meet up. Like I have some TikTok sounds saved. Like that's oh when you God, know. No, no, that can't be the opener. <laughs> yeah. Or it could be like, oh, hey, like what time are you getting to the hotel? would love to grab coffee. Like there's a difference between the two, but I don't think I've ever had an influencer want to grab coffee. Hi, Heartbreakers. We are back with another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. And today's guest is Carrie Burke, a 19-year-old influencer who is verified on Instagram, TikTok, and other platforms. And Carrie's discussion was so fascinating because, first of all, she is the youngest guest who I've interviewed on the podcast. So she definitely provides interesting perspective on what it's like to date as an actual teenager in today's day and age. Wow. I mean, could I sound any older than I did just then by saying today's day and age? Anyway, she also provides a lot of interesting perspective around what it's like to date the influencer archetype. And even though she lives in New York, I feel like a lot of her dating experiences could be associated with what people envision when they think about dating in LA. And literally this podcast is about the unglamorous side of dating, but Carrie is able to provide perspective on the glamorous side, to be honest. And We dive into whether or not that is a good thing, whether the stereotypes are true, and her honest thoughts about male influencers. So definitely fascinating and honestly just very humbling when I think back to my dating experience as a 19-year-old when the primary place I would meet new guys was at frat parties. And even thinking back to like my experience with social media at the time, it was just so much cringier. I'm so glad that it wasn't as big as it was because I would just perpetually be embarrassed and still am. And that's even by the Facebook albums that I've archived of me underage drinking that I would just post every weekend with wild abandon. So yeah, you know, clearly she has a lot more insight to provide than I could have ever dreamed of at 19. So I will leave it at that and dive into the interview with Carrie. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We're here for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. And today we have a phenomenal guest. She is the youngest guest we've had on the show, but also probably the most accomplished, which is very impressive. She wrote her first book, Peace, Love, and Cupcakes, back in 2012, and now has 21 children's books credited to her name. She's a content creator who's verified on TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. And she's in two series, Brat TV's Stage Fright and the newly aired Next Influencer on Paramount Plus, which honestly has already sucked me in after two episodes. I'm so excited to welcome Carrie Burke. Hi, I'm so excited. I'm so, so happy to have you on the show. I can't wait to dive into everything. And for a little background for the listeners, you know, like after we connected via Instagram and agreed to set up this interview, 
I naturally was like, okay, let's like do some research to learn more about your work, both as an influencer and as an author, because that like seemingly started it all. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and like the personal experiences that inspired you to write your book series and kind of kick off your career. Yeah. So I started my book series when I was eight years old, as you said. So I was really young. My mom is a writer. So I kind of grew up watching her type away at her computer. And I came home from school one day after learning realistic fiction. And I had this idea for a book series about these four girls who are all outsiders at their school. They're all bullied in their own right. And they form this unstoppable cupcake club to help combat bullying at their school. So I was a peer mediator in elementary school, meaning I'd go in the schoolyard, I'd listen to people's issues if they were being bullied, and I'd try and help mediate the issue. So that was something that I was kind of exposed to from a young age. And it was an important issue that I knew that people my age needed to see and understand a little more. Mm -hmm. So I took this idea as an eight-year-old girl, and I showed my mom. And after a lot of convincing, she submitted it to her book agent. And by surprise, we had a book deal. So it turned into this series. And it was so important to me to promote this message of anti-bullying out there, especially for tweens and teens. It's rampant, even for adults. And that's a theme that I've definitely carried throughout all of my books. I love that. And I just have to really harp on the fact that you were eight. Like I was just rereading the same books about horse facts. And you were like, you know what? I'm going to launch an empire. No big deal. So that's really awesome. And I feel like, like you said, bullying is something that everyone can experience at every age. And I feel like so many people have experienced it, probably almost everyone. But being frank, I think it's easy to look at someone like you who has like an amazing platform, you're thriving professionally, Mm -hmm. and just assume like either consciously or subconsciously that you haven't had that experience. But I'd love to hear you open up maybe a little bit about the personal experience that you did have being bullied when you were younger. Yeah. Bullying is something that I've gone through my entire life. I feel like it started when I was younger. I had a different sense of style in school from a lot of people. So I'd wear like these glitter sneakers to school. I'd wear a lot of pink. And for a seventh or eighth grader, that wasn't really the style. Everyone was wearing these you know, monochromatic clothing, kind of dull. So I don't know. I just, I was kind of different from everyone else. And for a while, I just kind of do whatever it took to fit in, wearing like black clothes, sweatpants, kind of putting all my frilly pink dresses in my closet. Mm -hmm. But over time, I just realized that it's important to be who you are because that's what's going to make you feel most happy and most confident. I know it sounds kind of corny, but I really don't feel myself if I'm not expressing who I am. And that's something that I've had to learn as a content creator on social media. I've gotten a lot of hate, a lot of cyberbullying. And I've just tried to learn how to filter out the hate, both like literally through comment filters mm-hmm. on TikTok and you know, from an emotional, mental standpoint, just trying to surround myself with people who lift me up instead of tearing me down and just trying my best not to pay attention to it. It's easier said than done, but it's... I'm trying to make it my goal to educate people on bullying because so many people out there who are bullying, they have something else going on in their own lives. They're insecure about their own lives. It's not necessarily about you. It's about the bully and what's going on to them. So that's why this is such an important issue, not only because I've gone through it, because I know so many other people out there are going through it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I love the fact that you said the people who are going to bully you, they have their own issues. And it's like in the moment, you don't care about that. You're just like, wow, this person said something very hurtful. But I think it's a good way to put things back into perspective and realize like, I'm honestly doing way better off than this person who feels the need to tear someone else down. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I think about with social media all the time is like, you'll read people saying these horrible things in other people's comments. And it's like, there's a human being behind this. You would definitely not say it to their face. And so I'd love to hear like, I know you kind of mentioned like you do some filtering, but like, I'm sure things sometimes slip through or maybe there's temptation to read the comments. Like, how do you kind of like keep yourself from getting down just when you do see those things? So I think education is key and just understanding that there's a lot of pain behind the person who is behind that screen and doing those hate comments towards you. Mm -hmm. So trying to just educate myself on that and realizing that it's not just me and that there's not necessarily something wrong with me. I think that's definitely the first step. And I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't get down about the hate comments. I've gotten a lot of hate comments surrounding my new show. And I've just tried to kind of keep my chin up and tell myself that I know who I am. I know I'm a good person. I know that I'm not in the wrong and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to just sit here and let myself get down by some random avatar on YouTube that's commenting something. Because I mean, if someone doesn't have the courage to like put their own face and name online, then Mm -hmm. like, that's not something that I have to get down about. So Yeah. It's always the people with no like name or avatar who are like the most bold. Some like random like graphic or something. Like if you, I feel like it's so easy to just say whatever you want behind a screen. And that's, what's really unfortunate about Gen Z and like today's day and age, especially in like the age of COVID, like everyone is online more than usual. So cyberbullying is especially rampant. But like you said, people don't realize that we're all human beings with feelings and emotions. Just because you're typing it to someone, it doesn't mean it hurts less than if they said it in person. Like There's so many different types of bullying besides just yelling at someone or punching them in the face. Like there's mm-hmm. psychological bullying, social bullying, cyberbullying. And yeah. that's why I'm trying to educate people out there. Yeah, it's so hard these days. I just think about when fully dating myself. You know, when I was younger, it was like, we didn't really have social media that much in middle school. And Mm -hmm. it was really only in high school that we started to have it. And even then it was pretty limited. And I just think like so many more people have access to you who have no idea who you are and can just say whatever. So I think now more than ever, it's really important to talk about this. And I love that you're using your platform for it. But I want to take a step back because I know you mentioned Next Influencer. I know you mentioned that there has been like a little bit of hate around the show without getting into anything, because I would honestly just recommend everyone watch it on Paramount Plus because it is really entertaining, but would love to hear a little bit about like the concept of the show and yeah, just kind of like what your experience was like. Yeah. So Next Influencer, going into it, I was super excited. It's a bunch of content creators in this huge mansion in California. And for an extended period of time, we're all living together and going through all of these challenges to see who is the next influencer and gets a grand prize, which is a talent contract with awesomeness TV at the end. So, I mean, what could be wrong with that? So exciting. <laughs> you know, living in California, one of my favorite places in the world. But what I didn't realize is that, I mean, it was right in front of me all along. It's reality TV. We all watch mm-hmm. reality TV because it's entertaining and there's drama. So I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but 
I kind of did all along. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't really paying attention to the fact that it was reality TV, even though it was very clearly reality TV. So when I was in it and I was being authentically myself, yet placed in these situations, I was kind of taken off guard because I didn't know if people were pretending, if people were being real. It was just very weird because the entire time I was just leading and telling the truth. And for some reason, I just got caught up in a lot of drama. And Mm -hmm. it's weird because it's like petty middle school drama. I mean, let's keep in mind that the audience for the show is also younger. So, you know, drama sells. It's reality TV. I watch America's Next Top Model, like (laughs) The Bachelor, like all these Mm -hmm. like reality TV shows. Like there's the same theme. Like, you know, there's without saying too much, like there's producers on the show, like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like not 100% real because it's reality TV. So I actually just did an interview with someone who is a story producer on a dating reality show. And so her role is really to just like pull clips from certain characters. And like when I was sending her the outline to be like, can we talk about this? Can we talk about this? There was a lot that she's like, no. And what I got from it was just the fact that like it is, you know, you're crafting a story because if you just take 24 seven footage of people living their normal lives and you don't do anything to piece it together or frame it in a certain way, it's not going to be very entertaining. So I think it's a key point to remember. It's like reality TV is catering to a specific interest and like a specific level of intrigue that isn't necessarily in your day-to-day interactions. Hopefully, hopefully people don't have lives that dramatic all the time because that would be exhausting. And they cut things and they piece things around. Like when I was watching my show, so much was cut out and spliced together and sometimes even like placed in a different context, which was weird. So, I mean, again, it comes with the territory with reality TV, but I was just really surprised because they film you 24 seven. There's GoPros in our rooms, literally filming us. I don't even know. They might have been filming me while I slept or something. There was always a GoPro (laughs) in my room. Just in case. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just in case something happens. But yeah, I feel like they're filming at all times, yet so many things were cut out that really would help people understand the story a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think another interesting thing to point out is the fact that it was, of course, a co-ed house. So that leads to more drama in itself. And, you know, I know that we talked about the fact that you're kind of transitioning away from dating influencers, which we'll get to, but I would love to hear like, what were the dating dynamics in the house and what was it kind of like to date in this like influencer only environment or to express interest if yeah. people didn't explicitly date? I mean, I'm a teenage girl. Like if I think a guy is cute, I'm going to say a guy is cute. Like we're not going to lie here. But obviously like it's difficult in the house because, you know, there's, it's a weird dynamic. There's, I think half girls and half guys. Everyone is living together. Everyone thinks everyone is cute. Everyone's beautiful in the house. So it was weird, you know, in the end, I didn't end up getting in a relationship with anyone in the house. And in retrospect, I'm kind of glad I didn't. Because the second I just started doing me and just like staying to myself, I felt much better. I mean, I was being real and being me the entire time. But when I needed my space, I felt so much more secure in that house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine like going back to the theme of having high self-esteem and like bullying and stuff like that. Like how did that kind of play in when you're in this hypercritical environment? You're like aware of the fact that cameras are on you at all times. Like things might get taken out of context. Like how did that kind of 
maybe impact your self-esteem in the moment? In the moment, I'm not going to lie. It was really hard standing in the middle of the room and having a bunch of people come at you at once. Like that's not fun for anyone. Yeah. But I feel like in, again, in like retrospect, the key is understanding what was going on and that it was reality TV. It's drama. Things get taken out of context. There's a ton of misunderstandings, not to mention things get cut out for the audience. So what the audience is seeing isn't the full story. They weren't there. Mm -hmm. They weren't living in the house. They weren't with me hiding in my room all day because Mm -hmm. I literally did not feel comfortable in that house. So I feel like there's definitely a different level of understanding living through it than watching it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'd love to hear outside of the show, like what has been your experience maybe like dating other influencers? Did the show kind of lead to your decision that you maybe want to step away from dating influencers? Just would love to hear all of that. So I'm going to start with your last question. I've actually, for a long time, I've kind of wanted to step away from dating influencers. I mean, I'm not completely swearing off it, but just from past experience, I feel like it's been a little a little toxic, you know, <laughs> influencer guys, like they're cute. Like I said, you know, they have the big hair, the TikTok boys, like the first <laughs> rap videos. Like, oh, come on, like who doesn't love that? <laughs> but I feel like not to place them in a stereotype, but a lot of TikTok guys who do thirst trap videos are kind of into themselves and focused mm-hmm. on themselves, not even in like a a building brand kind of way, like driven and focused on your own platform, more like in an egotistical kind of way. So again, like I'm not going to point fingers at anyone, but I've gone on a few dates with like different TikTok guys. And it's been weird because when you're dating an influencer, it becomes all about the cameras and what you're doing online and, you know, filming YouTube videos, filming TikTok videos, it becomes less about the emotions you have towards each other and more about the content that you're presenting towards people, which is wrong. Like you're not acting. We're not in a movie. Like this is real life and this is love and romance. And I want to be real with you. I don't just want to, you know, promote our relationship online. Like obviously social media is a big part of my life. And if I want to take pictures with you and share it, then that's great. But the first time we meet, we don't have to be filming TikToks. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I feel like it puts a lot of pressure on things too. So even if you're kind of questioning things, like there might in the back of your mind be this thing of like, oh, but we should really try to make it work because like, this is so great for both of us professionally and not saying you're guilty of that. I just feel like it would be something that like might be in the back of people's mind if they are so focused on like just their brand above everything else. So that's really tough. TikTok guys are definitely more of a a fling than a relationship, I'd say. I mean, okay. I think I've been in like one relationship with a TikTok guy that was absolutely great, but it we were 16. So it didn't even work out because mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're 16, we're kind of immature, not fully emotionally developed yet. So every other experience after that has just been like a quick fling because we either live in different places, different states, different countries even, or they're just not emotionally mature or all they want is to film with me and use me for plot. So that's so terrible. And it's also interesting because I'm thinking like, okay, I guess I could see why a guy who's like really big on TikTok has like this big head because he's getting all this attention. He's getting a lot of validation from girls who don't even know anything about him. 
But then I think about it and like a woman who has like your level of fame, for example, like you could have the same mindset because I'm sure you're getting a lot of people sliding into your DMs. You're getting a lot of attention. And yet I don't really feel like it works both ways. I feel like that archetype is really kind of like reserved for the males on the platform. And I think that's so interesting. Yeah. I have to become really good at filtering out the good influencers from like the bad influencers, if that makes sense. (laughs) Like, I can tell by the way someone talks to me what they're interested in. So like if I have an, an influencer guy, it's like, oh, like, let's say, when are you getting to the hotel? Like, let's meet up. Like I have some TikTok sounds saved. Like that's oh when you God, know. No, no, that can't be the opener. <laughs> yeah. Or it could be like, oh, hey, like what time are you getting to the hotel? We'd love to grab coffee. Like there's a difference between the two. But I don't think I've ever had an influencer want to grab coffee. It's only been, let's film together. Which, you know, it's fun. It's fine. Like, whatever. Fans like that kind of content. It's fun to make. But I prefer to at least get to know the person for a little bit before that happens. Oh, yeah. And that just adds to the authenticity. And I feel like it's just not quite as fun when you feel like it's transactional. It was the funniest thing. There was some guy that we were like filming TikTok videos and it was like super awkward because it was like our first day meeting. Mm -hmm. And then like we kissed and then all of a sudden it was like, okay, we need to refilm all of our videos. Uh, What? We looked so awkward like in all of our videos. (laughs) And once we were comfortable and we actually broke that barrier and we were authentic with each other, it was like, okay, well now we can actually like be real with people and like show that we actually like each other. We didn't have to like fake it from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. I, (laughs) what an interesting dynamic to like work backwards into. It's so weird. It's so weird. Okay. So I feel like it's so interesting because I talk about dating guys in LA a fair amount, obviously, because I live here, but I feel like no one I've seriously dated has fit the stereotype of men who live in LA. You know, I feel like even most of my exes, like I feel like two of them like hated LA and wanted to leave. One of them didn't even live in LA and like would always shit on it. Like no joke. And then my current boyfriend, like he's from here, but I still don't think he's the typical LA guy in terms of like the negative stereotypes that people associate with it. And I really feel like the like stereotype is more centered around how people view male influencers and like those qualities. So yeah, I'd love to hear from your perspective because you have such intimate knowledge of like being around these types of guys. Like how would you describe them versus like the type of guy who you're looking to date long-term? Okay. So guys in LA, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. (laughs) Like I said, it's like a fling. So let's say like there's one night that's just like absolutely magical. Like we're walking down like Rodeo Drive and like it's so romantic and like there's all these lights and like we kiss and so romantic, but and then I go back home and like it's done. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the difference. Like you'll have the magic in the moment, but it's fleeting. So I'm looking okay. for something that's a little bit more long lasting, mm-hmm. but yet still has that magic, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I know it's not realistic to have like every guy like take me down a Rodeo drive and like kiss me under the stars and like <laughs> dancing under like a movie marquee, like stuff like that. Like I know that's unrealistic for every guy, but I'm just overall, I'm just looking for someone who is a little more 
looking for something more long lasting instead of just like a mm-hmm. one night only thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, just someone who kind of like treats treats me special. Like, is that cheesy to say that? I mean, <laughs> no, I think everyone deserves someone who treats them special. And to your point, it's like, yeah, not every experience is going to be like that picture perfect scene out of a rom-com. But I feel like you want the type of person who like cares enough to make that happen, but also cares enough to like be there for the mundane stuff with you also. Like a lot of long-term relationships are pretty unglamorous, unfortunately, but like, I think that's what really creates that solid foundation. And like, helps you trust the person versus it being like these high highs of these really epic dates. And then like, Oh, like, am I going to hear from them again? Who knows? I feel like my issue is that I always like hold on to the hope for a Mm rom-com. So like I grew up watching rom-com. So every time I get like a glimmer of it, I'm like, Oh, this is perfect. Like this is the one. (laughs) And then like all of a sudden it'll go away in like 24 hours. So that's the problem. I just keep holding on to the hope of like having this rom-com romance but I need to like kind of like temper my expectations a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It's really hard though, because to your point, I feel like I grew up on rom-coms and it really just makes Mm -hmm. it seem like you deserve this. Every woman is going to get this. Eventually you just have to wait for your Prince Charming. And I think one trap that we can fall into is like, you have these guys who are like love bombing and they come out of the gate so hot. And so then you're like, this is my rom-com moment when it's like, no, they were just manipulating me. And now they're moving on to the next person once they've got me. I learned about love bombing when I was like 16. Like I didn't even know what it was until like after the relationship. And my friend was like, oh, he was love bombing you. Like when I tell you, okay, this is like a little secret for like your listeners. <laughs> it was like the third day I met him. Mm-hmm. The third day when we were like dating, I don't even know, mm-hmm. within like quotation marks, he bought me a Gucci scarf on day three. Oh my God. Day three. <laughs> so talk about love bombing. Like obviously like, <laughs> I brought him like Rice Krispie treats. Like, it was, <laughs> like I felt horrible. And then I was just like so confused, just like, oh, like, you talk about love bombing. I mean, yeah, it was so incredibly nice, but you know, there was something off. Like nobody really does that. No. And I think the hard thing is like, if someone gets you something like that, you're like, finally, someone's treating me the way I deserve yeah. because it's like, yeah, I'm the shit. Like who wouldn't want to like spoil me, whatever. But I think the thing is like, yeah, they don't know that after three dates. So it's like, as much as you're like, yeah, I deserve this treatment. It's like anyone who's willing to give you something so disproportionate to the amount of time and like information that they like have with you. It's something sketch. Something is sketchy. And it sucks because like when someone gives you a Gucci scarf, like obviously you're like, oh my gosh, like I love you. But wait, do I love you? It's been three days. (laughs) Yes. You know, that's another thing. It like puts all this pressure on you to like reciprocate somehow. And I feel like all the love bombing made me fall faster. And it kind of like, I was confused. Like, was it really love or was I just being love bombed? I mean, I thought at the time my feelings were genuine, but I wonder if like all of the overly affectionate gestures, like the Gucci scarf, you know, showing up for me, like traveling super long distances to come see me. I wonder if if that was taken away, Mm -hmm. if I would have been as in love. Yeah. It's so hard to say. So I feel like that's what makes it so manipulative is it's like they rely on it clouding your judgment so much. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird to think about now because it's been like three years. I don't even know. Was that person another influencer? Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) I mean, okay. Was he another influencer? At the time, we were like both kind of up and coming influencers. So it wasn't some like big influencer with a big head, or at least I didn't think. But yeah, not yet. it, It was so quick. It was crazy how quick this guy just dropped me after the summer was over. Okay. So I have to ask, like when you're meeting other influencers, is it like they're sliding into your DMs? Is it through like collabs and like events that you meet them at? Like what's the primary form of connection? All of the above. So sliding into DMs. I mean, I've gotten like a few DMs, people who saw me on their For You page on TikTok and just Mm -hmm. where it's the casual like, hey, with the extra Y in the DM, like a guy wants to get to know you. Yeah. So there's that. I'll be doing, let's say, a collab day at a content house in LA and I'll just run into a guy, get a Snapchat, something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've done a lot of social media tours and those are just like big influencer events that fans attend. But you have like several nights in the hotel where you can hang out with people, you know, go to people's hotel rooms and like large groups and hang out and you'll meet people there. So there are a lot of settings that are just rife with men. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it happens everywhere. I mean, it does. I will say like, it sounds like it's super fun. I think to your point, it's just like, depending on the stage of dating that you're at. Like if you're just like, yeah, I don't want a relationship. I just want to like make these connections, like maybe have a fling or two. I feel like that's great. But I do think it could be difficult if you're like having these fleeting connections and then you're trying to turn it into something long-term. Yeah. I mean, for years, like I loved like the fling because I knew, I feel like after that relationship when I was 16, like I kind of took a step back and I was like, okay, like it's kind of difficult to have a relationship with someone in social media, especially if they don't live in your state. Yeah. So from there, I kind of, you know, obviously I'd hold on to the hope for a relationship, but if it didn't work out, I was like, obviously it didn't work out. Like you don't even live in the same state. Mm -hmm. So I feel like now I'm at a point where I'm just like kind of ready to just find something a little more serious. I mean, flings are great, but yeah, it hurts when like a fling is done. I mean, if you fall in with a guy and then all of a sudden it's like taken away in a few days, it's just like, it kind of hurts. I think they're important experiences to have. And I feel like they probably taught you a lot about like, okay, these are the red flags. These are the signs that it might be a fling. These are the qualities I don't want. But I think to your point, like they're only fun, you know, if both people are looking for the same level of commitment. Yes. And even if you start out both being like, yeah, 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 this is casual. Like chances are one person is going to develop deeper feelings and then it can get messy. It sucks when one person wants a fling and the other wants a relationship and you're like not on the same page. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're just like, okay, like let's move forward or something. And they're just like, no, what are you doing? I was just watching Too Hot to Handle. I don't know if Mm -hmm. you've seen the new Too Hot to Handle season. Oh my God, I haven't. I need to watch. Just happened. It happened with Georgia and I think his name is Hetty. He was like, oh, I'm ready to take the next step in our relationship. And she completely friend zones him. And she's like, oh, I I just see us as friends. And he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) I felt so bad for him. That's so heartbreaking. I know. Like if that ever happened to me, if I was in his place, I would have heartbroken. 
Also, okay, I don't watch the show, but, like, I assume he's, like, I want to take the next step in our relationship, so they probably, like, hooked up in some regard. So to be hit with, like, I just see us as friends, it's, like, do you hook up with all your friends? Because that's weird. Yeah, I don't know. Because to okay. have to handle is based on, like, rule breaks, so they can't do anything. Oh, that's right, where you, like, lose money if you hook up, right? Right. So it was, like, no kissing, no sex, no nothing. And they kissed and broke a rule, so that was all they did, but... They were like sleeping in the same bed, I think, and like cuddling. And then all of a sudden, he's he's just like, okay, like I'm ready. Let's take the next step. And she's just like, yeah, no, sorry, like I'm not doing anything serious. And you could see the disappointment in his face. My heart is broken for him. That's really rough. <laughs> I know. And she's like such like a pretty like cool girl. And you're just like, oh, Georgia, why do you have to do that? <laughs> That's so sad. So I guess I want to transition to talking about dating online now that you've kind of started to utilize that as an avenue to meet some different people and would love to hear what's your experience been thus far? Like what apps are you on? Have you had any dates? Okay. So, oh my gosh, I'm like worried if I say the app I'm on, like someone's going to like look for me, but I am on a dating app. I will say that I joined my (laughs) first dating app a few months ago now, I think like three months ago, I've always been skeptical of dating apps, not going to lie, because I feel like dating apps, Mm -hmm. like a lot of the majority of people on dating apps just want to hook up depending on what app you're on. But I was just worried that I was going to go on an app and I was going to meet a guy in person and really like him. And then he'll just be interested in a hookup. And then like my heart will be broken like over and over again, because I'll get my hopes up and like, he'll just want to like get in my pants and that's it. So. Mm-hmm. I had to be very careful. It's it feels like a full time job. <laughs> like I'm not gonna lie. Like going on a dating app yeah. and like swiping and messaging different guys and like, trying to see like which one might be like a gem. It's time consuming. Like I found, yeah, I had to like set aside like time in my day to like go on the dating app and look and be like, okay, like this one is cute. Like he seems like he genuinely wants to meet. Hmm. Or you'll see there's just like some complete weirdos that like slide into your <laughs> dating app DMs or something. There's one guy the other day, his opening line, his pickup line to me was, are you internet famous? Wow. And when I responded, I wrote, no. <laughs> and that was the end. <laughs> yeah, I can't really go anywhere from there. You can't salvage that. I mean, but like, why? Like some of these people... It is so obvious that they don't have clear, like, nice, genuine intentions. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I don't know. I've been on a few. I think you you asked if I've been on dates from the dating apps. I've been on a few. Mm -hmm. I think I've been on three. And one was bad. One was mediocre. And one that I went on today was good. Today? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Wait, what did you? Hey. <laughs> okay, so today I went to brunch with a guy. He asked for coffee, which is a good sign. He asked for coffee. That is a green flag. <laughs> he didn't ask for dinner. So the red flag, I was supposed to I sound like I'm dating around, which is really bad. I've literally only been on three dates in the past three months. No. Okay, you've been on three dates in three months. That's yeah. not dating so, around. And even if you were, no judgment. So I was on a I was gonna go on a date last <laughs> with someone else. <laughs> but he was trying to make plans with me and he said that he wanted to go to dinner at 9 p.m. 
And something in my brain was like, (laughs) too late. It's too late. Is it too late? Like, I I think I'm going to ask you that. Like, is it too late for dinner? Okay. I feel like that is a late dinner. I don't know. So my thing is, like you said, there's a lot of people on the apps who are just trying to hook up. And like, I felt like I went on a lot of app dates, like before I found my boyfriend and I was able to slowly like tell the red flags of like, if a guy was just like a fuck boy and if he just wanted to hook up to your point. And I feel like the places that they would suggest meeting and the times that they were, would suggest meeting were often red flags. Like they suggested a place and it were like around the corner from his place (laughs) or like one guy suggested a date spot that was like, I'd been there before. And I was like, I have only gone to this bar to like drink and dance and like usually come home kind of drunk. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is a weird first date spot. So I pushed to be like, no, like, why don't we meet at this bar? Like down the street instead, it was like a lot more quiet and more chill. And then we did end up going to the other spot, but lo and behold, he wound up being a fuck boy. And like, you can just tell. So I think things like the 9 PM, like it's not a hundred percent of a deal breaker, but it is something that's kind of like, okay, like that's something I'll note and see if this is like a trend in like the types of activities he's suggesting. It was weird because I went on my first date with this one about a month ago and he would just like kind of Snapchat me like here and there. Also, I'm very curious. Is Snapchat like a thing of the past? I feel like it is. I know it's like still a thing if you're younger, but I don't really know anyone who uses Snapchat. And I feel like the few people, the few guys who would use it they were always fuck boys too, like at my age. And this was, I guess, a couple years ago. So like when I was 28, maybe, but still like at 28, I feel like if you're using Snapchat, you're a fuck boy. The one unsolicited dick pic I ever got was some guy who like added me on snap. And then I was like, are you serious right now? And then he immediately blocked me. Good. Good. Oh my God. But like, be happy he blocked you. Oh yeah. He did me a favor. He probably would have blocked him. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I feel like Snapchat... I mean, Snapchat's good if you like want to keep up with someone like on their day to day. But yeah, it's like something like you kind of did in middle school and like high school. I'm not mm-hmm. a huge fan. I think if someone asks for your number, I like it more because mm-hmm. it's like a little more serious. If you're okay, if you're a TikTok boy, you ask for Snapchat. Yes. <laughs> and if you're, I don't know, like a 23 year old on a dating app who's actually serious, then you ask for someone's number. And yeah. that's the difference. So 100%. So, okay. You mentioned like 23 year olds on dating apps. So what is your range? And I don't think I mentioned this up top, but for reference for the listeners, Carrie's 19. So I'd love to hear like, how old are you willing to date? Because I feel like there's a big difference between like a 25 year old and like being 19. Oh yeah. I cut it off at 23 probably. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's why I said 23. I mean, my parents are four years apart, so I understand that. Mm -hmm. But I mean... Like I've learned not to crush on older guys because there's a difference between like a 19 year old, like you said, like a 19 year old still in college and learning Mm -hmm. and let's say like a 28 year old, like going to get married. Huge, huge difference. Yeah. Like if I see like a 28 year old or something on a dating app, that's cute. Like I've learned not to like heart him because, you know, no matter how cute he may be, Mm -hmm. it's just our lifestyles do not align. Yeah. And I think there's something sus if like a 28 year old is like, oh, cool. Like a 19 year old, like, yeah, it's legal, but I'm just kind of like, she can't drink. Like, what are you like? I just feel like you should be in a different stage where you're like, not trying. It's not a knock. I'm like, you, to your point, you're just in different yeah. stages. And so I'm like, that is either a very immature 28 year old or 
kind of like predatory. I don't know. Yeah. A 28 year old who's interested in a 19 year old has something wrong. I'm sorry. A hundred percent. And one of my friends, this was when he was 29, he got yeah. a new girlfriend and she was 22. So still very different. Like I think 22 and 19, there is still a big difference there. She can at least drink and like, she's graduated all of this stuff, but yeah. she wound up just like, they were just misaligned in so many ways. And afterwards he was like, oh, I don't sure. think I can date a 22 year old again. And I was like, I didn't want to be the one to say that while you were dating, but like, I could have told you that it probably wasn't going to be the experience you thought it was. Interesting. Yeah. I feel the same way. That's why like, I feel like 23 is fine. I mean, like newly out of college, like in a job, Mm -hmm. I'm a very career driven person and I like to say I'm mature. So I feel like I could definitely align myself with someone like that. Mm -hmm. I do like younger guys, but really only a year year younger. Like I could go for, um, well, now I'm 19. When I was 18, I had a few flings with 17 year olds and Mm -hmm. I did not mind it. Okay. Is that legal? <laughs> I, to be honest, I think it is. I don't a hundred percent know. I feel like if you're within a year, yes. I don't know. Okay, good. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, it would be different if like it's an eighteen-year-old and a fourteen-year-old. Yes, like eighteen and seventeen are almost imperceptible. Like I was a late, yeah, like I had a late birthday. So like when I started college, I was 17, you know? So it's like, if I hooked up with someone in my freshman year, part of me was like, haha, like I'm jailbait and he doesn't even know. But it's like, I, actually, there's not really anything wrong with it. You know, it's like, again, it wasn't someone who was crazy older than me. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like with the 17 year old, we were like six months apart. So I was just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. I, I have a young spirit, but I'm also mature. So I could like go both ways. Yeah. Cause I feel like you've had just so much more experience than the average 19 year old just due to your job. And so, and like the fact that you have traveled and like, you have to like put a business hat on and like build your brand. And a lot of 19 year olds just like are not thinking about any of that stuff. So I could see the maturity aspect. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess one thing I wanted to go back to was that guy who was like, are you I don't know what he said. Like, are you an influencer? Are you like Instagram yeah. famous? Are you internet famous? Internet famous. So do you get a lot of people who you feel like are just clout chasers who aren't influencers? Like I know you said you have the people who are trying to use you for clout to boost their profile, but maybe people who don't even have a profile and are just like, it would be cool to date someone who's famous. Yes. Capital letters, exclamation <laughs> points. Yes all the time. And I absolutely hate it because I never know who's genuine and wants to get to know me Mm -hmm. or who just wants to use me for clout, which is really hard. Mm -hmm. So I can almost like see it in their eyes. Like if they're looking me in the eye and they genuinely like want to get to know me and I ask like intelligent questions about my career Mm -hmm. instead of just, Oh, like who are the coolest people you've met? Like, no, asking me, like, how did you get started in your career? What's Mm -hmm. your favorite part? Is it hard sometimes? Stuff that's kind of under the surface, not just who did you meet? Like, yeah. what celebrities are you friends with? I think that's the way I can tell. But long story short, someone from school that I was going out with, I was so excited because I had never dated anyone in high school. I didn't like anyone in my high school. Mm-hmm. And there's one guy in my college I was excited about and we went on a date and was adorable. I was like super into him and he knew I was an influencer and I just slipped in conversation. Like I was telling him about a trip to Orlando when I did a collab with Addison Ray, who's like mm-hmm. a big TikToker. And he was like, Oh my God, you know, Addison Ray, do you have her number? And I was like, I mean, 
I, I, I do, but and he was like, can I take a picture of it? What? Like on our date. Like, come oh on. God, that's I mean, bad. it was disgusting. And he had the nerve after that. He was like, oh, we should do this again. Like, no, we're not doing this again. No, no. Like, so you can see which other numbers I have. <laughs> I mean, oh, it was disgusting. Like, the second he said, that has never happened to me before. I mean, like, I've had people who, like, said, are you internet famous? Stuff like that. But this was just disgusting. We were on a date. I thought he was, like, going to kiss me soon. And, like, <laughs> then we added his it. number. He ruined it. I was so turned off after that. I mean, yeah. I, was, I think I, like, walked him out. <laughs> like, bachelor status. I was literally going to say, it's like, can I walk you out? But not where you hold their hand. You're like, get in the limo and go home. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was so done. I think... I was like polite. I waited for his car to come and I gave mm-hmm. him a nice like one-armed hug goodbye or something like that. I yeah. was pissed. I think I called my friend in the elevator. I was like, you would not believe what this guy just did. That's so crazy. Honestly, though, at least he had no chill so that he outed himself right away and you didn't think he oh, was yeah. there for the right reasons. And then like he revealed himself after you'd gotten invested. Oh my gosh, it was disgusting. It was so bad. And this guy acted like he didn't even know like anything about social media. Like we were on the roof taking pictures. He was like, oh, how do I tag someone on my Instagram story? Like man's fully new. Yeah. <laughs> if you know yeah. who Addison Ray is, like he was just trying to use me. It was horrible. That's so gross. Like the fact that he pretended. Ugh. Ugh. We don't like him. I hope he listens to this podcast and learns his lesson. Yeah. Yeah. You're on notice, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I literally don't, I don't. I think I've talked to that guy since that day. So he's thrown under the bus. Yeah. So aside from that unfortunate college dating experience, like how <laughs> has starting college kind of impacted your dating experience? Because I feel like there's so many more opportunities to meet people organically versus like through the apps and social media connections. Well, my classes in school, I'm a fashion studies minor. So unfortunately, most of my classes are girls. But I definitely like keep an eye out in the hall. Like if there's someone like cute in the hallways, like I'll nudge my friend and I'll be like, oh, let me go talk. I mean, that's like who I am. Like I'm like just like a kind of bubbly, outgoing personality. I like Mm -hmm. get giddy over guys. I mean, like I don't think that's ever going to (laughs) change. But I feel like the main difference is that now that I'm in college, I think on dating apps, people take me seriously. Mm, So now I'm in my second year of college, people see like, oh yeah, she's 19, but she's a college sophomore. So mm-hmm. she'll be out of college in two two years. Yeah. Two years. Mm-hmm. And like she'll be out into the world and she has a career. So I think mm-hmm. that just adds to the level of maturity and this, the way I'm presenting myself online. And mm-hmm. also I'm learning a lot like in college and through dating experiences in college. So mm-hmm. the older I get, the deeper I get into college, the more I learn. That's amazing. And I would also love to hear kind of like what the dates are like that college guys will ask girls out on. Because I feel like when I was in college, I went on a couple of dates here and there, but it was like so casual. And I talked to my friends and they were like, yeah, I feel like people didn't take us on dates, you know, not in the way that they did after I graduated. So have guys stepped up their game or is it still a little more casual at this phase? Okay. Do you want a good example or a bad example? Because I have both. I would love to hear both. <laughs> okay. Let's start with the good one on a good okay. note. So I consider a good date coffee. Like I said, mm-hmm. just someone saying, oh, let's grab coffee. Not just immediately diving into like dinner, you know, 630 mm-hmm. on some beautiful rooftop. Like, yeah, that's great. And I'd love to do that eventually. But mm-hmm. like, let's kind of 
get into it slowly. We don't need to mm-hmm. rush it or anything. So if a guy asks me out to coffee and we go on a nice walk afterwards, I think that's a nice casual college date. Mm-hmm. Even if like we're walking around the campus, I think that's fun. Mm-hmm. Bad date, a guy I was really into, I think he like asked me to come over for like a nine o'clock like booty call. No. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Like, them with like their nine o'clock deadlines, I mean. I think I came over at like 8.30. I mean, I really liked the guy, so I did it. Like, I was like, okay, Harry, like, you're not going to do anything. Like, you really like this guy. It's fine. And then I went over to his house, and he was high. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so disappointing. And I will save the rest of the story for, I know we're going to talk about my upcoming book. I don't want to yes. spoil the whole thing. But let's just say, that, like, all of that just, like, turned into a really bad night. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I'm intrigued and I'm sure people will be anxiously awaiting the next chapter yeah. of that. Okay. I feel like that's a good note to kind of like transition into a game that I wanted to play with you. So it's a quick game and it's F boy or influencer. So the oh concept God. is, are these behaviors something that's like, okay, this is legit based on like the fact that this guy's an influencer for a living, or is it just like an F boy excuse? Okay. Okay. So you're dating this guy and you notice that he responds to like all the girls who DM him, but he's like, oh, it's just fan engagement. Well, I think it depends on what they respond. I think if they're like giving out their number or their Snapchat to fans, that's F boy behavior. I Mm -hmm. mean, yeah, if it's an influencer saying, oh, thank you so much for your support. Like Mm -hmm. it means the world and responding to a DM like that, then that's nice. That's part of the territory. Engaging mm-hmm. with fans is great, but influencers don't have full conversations with fans. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, like you wouldn't have time. <laughs> I will, but not out of like interest in dating someone. Let's say someone sends me a message like, Oh my gosh, your book saved my life. I love you. Like obviously I'm going to respond to that and be nice. Yeah. But if someone's saying like, you're so hot, like I want to date you. And like, I respond, <laughs> Oh, thank you. Like you're so hot too. No, I mean, no. that's clearly there's some other intentions there. Yeah, definitely. Not there for the right reasons, again, to use bachelor terminology. Yes. We love bachelor. <laughs> love. Okay. So on his like Instagram, let's say, he posts captions with lyrics about like picking up girls or being a player, even though he's in a relationship with you. And when you call him out on it, he's like, oh, this is just my brand and like my identity. Influencer, unfortunately. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean that's what happened to the guy I was in the relationship with. Like we were dating and I obviously like in the relationship, but he'd still post like hot photos of himself, like shirtless saying like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I love you guys. Blah, blah, blah. And unfortunately, like that's just what male influencers do. Like they post thirst traps. They Mm -hmm. post themselves looking hot because they are. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I mean, even if they're in a relationship, like why post trying to like turn on fans? I don't know. It's weird. It is weird. And so I won't name this person, but in the intro for like next influencer, I remember one of the guys was like, yeah, my content, he was like typical F boy content. Like I just flirt with the camera. And I was like, you know what? I respect that he was so upfront and self-aware about it. I mean, yeah. I think this one girl walked in and she's like, oh, it's F boy nation in here. (laughs) Yes. But then again, like and not to sound like a broken record, but it's reality TV. And if you're a TikTok lover and you're watching the show, obviously you're going to expect to see some F boys on there. Like it wouldn't yeah. be a TikTok show if they didn't have that stereotype. 
Exactly. So they, have, they have characters. I mean, they have that F boy character that mm-hmm. they knew needed to be on a TikTok show. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you have to kind of give the fans what they want. So exactly. Yeah. It just takes someone like, if you're going to date someone like that, you just have to like really trust them and also be very secure in your relationship. Cause I imagine that would be kind of hard to see all the time. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of friends who have been in online relationships with guys who are posting that type of content and it never ends well because that's just a typical signifier that they're just into themselves. They're not into their girl. If they were into their girl, they'd be showing off their girl. They wouldn't be showing off their abs. Yes. Okay. That transitions perfectly into the next question. He only posts about you on his Finsta. Such a red flag. (laughs) I mean, I don't even know if that's like what that is that's just red flag like why isn't he showing you to people like what is he hiding if he's hiding you from his fans clearly he wants to make sure that they're still like fawning over him for being like this single like f boy yeah keeping his options open yeah Ugh, gross okay so the last one you notice that he has two phones and he's like oh this other phone is just for business but like you can't think of like why he would need a second phone just for business. That's just sketchy. I mean, I feel like that's even like without influencers, like that happens to like other people and just like a sketchy, like catfish type situation. And also like people out there who have like a Samsung or like an Android, I'm sorry, but like if he has one of those phones and doesn't have an iPhone, like the green text bubbles, (laughs) that's like a red flag. (laughs) I mean, I love that you said not that it's a turnoff, but a straight up a red flag. <laughs> no, it's a red flag. Like I'm not even kidding. That's like sketchy. If you're a millennial or like a Gen Z person yeah. without an iPhone. I will say my worst ex had an Android and he had he a like, and I don't know, it was, it was so weird and it was annoying. And I remember like, he'll text me like happy birthday here and there. And one year he texted me and the text was blue. And I was like, what? I was like, you finally caved. (laughs) And honestly, I think a lot of girls gave him a hard time for having an Android. Because at one point he got an Android that looked like an iPhone so that he could try and like sneak under the radar. But it's like, as soon as you text them, like the jig is up. It's just sus. I mean, I I think it was one of the dating app guys I was with that had like an Android. (laughs) And I sent my friend screenshots of our messages because I needed her advice on something. And she was like, why are the text bubbles green? <laughs> and I was like, he's an Android. And she was like, no. Like, that's She's like, immediately sketchy. no. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just really sketchy. So, yeah, red flag. <laughs> Sorry, people out there with Androids, but red I mean, flag for Gen Z. <laughs> yeah, it is strangely suspect. I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Carrie, this was amazing. And Before you go, I would love to have you plug where people can find you and anything that you might want to tease about your upcoming book. So I'm going to give a little tease to an upcoming book I'm doing. I'm not going to say too much because I want it to be a surprise, but I feel like it's time for me to kind of branch out from that eight-year-old cupcake writer and really present myself as this 19-year-old girl who's going through life, who's been through heartbreak already and has learned, loved a lot. And I kind of just want to help people who are my age go through it too. Because if I had someone who was a peer who'd been through it, help me go through it, then I would have been really grateful. I mean, I'm an only child, so I didn't oh, have... so am I. Oh, 
Love that. I didn't have any advice except for from my mom or like my friends, but mm-hmm. they were all going through it at the same time. So I just want middle school and high school people to see me and I want them to trust me and feel like they'll be comfortable learning from me and my experiences on love and relationships. Like there's mm-hmm. so many just like how to books out there, like how to ask a guy out, like how to, you know, <laughs> have conversations about sex for the first time. But like those conversations don't need to be uncomfortable. So I want to make those conversations a little more comfortable for people my age. And I think that with coming from a peer like me, it'll be much easier. So I want to be like the Carrie Bradshaw of my generation. My gosh, the other (laughs) Carrie B. (laughs) Yes, I was named after Carrie Bradshaw. So were you really? I was. Wow. Okay, (laughs) that's iconic. (laughs) I love her. I okay. Little plug here. This is kind of in the book too, but I kind of dated her son. What? When I was twelve. Oh my gosh. Okay. By dated, I mean like we were 12 and we went to the movies and hung out in like her Hamptons house. Like Sarah Jessica okay. But we, Wow. <laughs> we have so much to dive into. Like I cannot wait to hear more about this. Yes. So this is all the book too. You guys have to stay tuned because I have some pretty interesting dating stories. And I know that you guys would be rolling on the floor, laughing or (laughs) crying along with me for some of these. So make sure to stay tuned. But in the meantime, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok and Pinterest at Carrie Burke with an extra K at the end, because I will be posting info about the book when the time comes on all of those platforms. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Thank you so much. Cannot wait to have you back for part two after the book release. (laughs) And in the meantime, you all know where you can find me. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at interstates and heartbreak all spelled out. Or you can find my personal account at Leslie Nope, L-E-S-L-I-E-G-N-O-P-E. Carrie, thank you again. Thank you. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.